Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. John 3.22 We've entitled these messages Entering into Healing and Health Just to give them a title I call them just letting the Spirit of God turn loose 1 John 3.22 We have a golden nugget here A golden nugget and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, we said that that was a golden nugget. Entering into the promises of God is the result of keeping His commandments. That's our golden nugget. I believe that the beloved uh, apostle John here got that off of Jesus. You will recall that Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 15, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And once, if ask anything, he said, in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 15. See, verse 14 said, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15 said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And John picked up on that and said, Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. And Jesus said, Ask anything in my name and I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And John said, Whatsoever you ask, you receive of him because you keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, when you keep His commandments and you do those things that are pleasing in His sight, we said that it's an act of faith. We do it all by faith. And unconsciously, we set into motion spiritual law. And included in that spiritual law is the law of giving, uh, the law of asking and receiving. See, that law is hidden in the keeping of His commandments. That way, even the youngest babe in Christ could be able to cash in on the benefits and promises of God, even though he didn't know the spiritual law that applied to asking and receiving. But as a babe in Christ, if he would just, through obedience, keep the commandments of God, then he would unconsciously set into motion the spiritual laws that pertain to asking and receiving. I've done it and you've done it when you first got saved. But bless God, I'm tapping into the depths of those laws of asking and receiving. Amen. Now, these uh, laws that we're tapping into allow these promises and allow these benefits to become a reality in our lives. See? They become a reality into our lives as we keep these commandments. Now, I want you to remember that we said something previously. We said that the promises and the benefits of God are not automatic, but they are appropriated by applying the wisdom of God to the circumstances of life. Let's go to Colossians' first chapter. I'll reiterate a few points, then we'll pick up and go further. The promises and the benefits of God are appropriated through applying the wisdom of God to the circumstances of life. And we said that it was the Spirit of God that would give us this wisdom. Now, here in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church here at Colossae. And in verse 9 he says, Since the day I heard of your faith... I cease not to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, we said these promises and these benefits are appropriated through the wisdom of God. I want to read that to you from the Amplified Bible. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you from the Amplified Bible. First of all, verse 9. For this reason we also, 
from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. Now listen, that is, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. That is, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. And in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. In comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. God has a way to get his promises over to us. And we need comprehension. We need to have comprehensive insight into these ways of God. Uh, let's look at verse 28. Notice again he, he speaks concerning wisdom. Him we preach and proclaim. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Bible again. You follow me in the King James. Him we preach and proclaim warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom. That is in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Therefore, wisdom is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. For what reason, Brother Paul? That we may present every person mature, full-grown, fully initiated, complete, and perfect in Christ the Anointed One. Hallelujah. You better get that translation of the Bible. If you don't have it already, you better get it. Amen? But I want you to note that Paul is emphasizing in all his writings, wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. If I'm going to cash in on all the benefits of God, the promises of God, I need comprehensive insight. I need to have the wisdom of God. I need to have the wisdom of His ways and of His purposes. I need to have that. Amen. I need to have that in my life if I'm going to benefit you know, from the promises of God. Now, the reason why, and what I'm saying is go to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians chapter 3. The reason why there's a lot of people that have never benefited from the promises of God is because they thought that God was going to meet man's needs through man's ways. And they haven't taken the time to learn God's ways. You ask the average Christian and you tell them, what's God's way of healing you? Well, God put doctors on the earth to heal man. That's not true. That's nowhere found in the word of God. It's not true. God's way of healing and promoting health is Jesus of Nazareth. It was that way from the beginning. It will be that way till he comes again. Throughout all eternity, he has provided healing. Bless God, don't forget his benefits, who forgiveth all your iniquities, who healeth all your diseases by the power of the living God through Jesus Christ, not through doctors. And, you know, I, I'm not knocking the medical field. That's man's way. It's man's way. That's all. We're not talking about man's way now. We're talking about whose way? God's way. Man's way, the medical field is man's highest way to, you know, alleviate pain from the body. And the sickness and diseases that are, are ever in trying to, you know, come against them. But praise God, there is a higher way, and it's called God's way. But we need to have comprehensive insight into His ways. Look at the third chapter, verse 18. Comprehensive insight. Now remember, comprehensive insight. Now here, Paul prayed to the church at Ephesus, and he says... That you may comprehend what is the length and breadth and depth and height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might comprehend. See, comprehensive insight. Comprehend. I'm going to read that to you from the Amplified Bible as soon as I find it here. Third chapter, verse 18. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints God's devoted people the experience of that love, which is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled, now listen, through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who, by and in consequence of the action of his power, that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose. See? Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Now, because of all what he just said previously, he's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far above, over and above, all that we dare ask or think. Now, 
you ask, and he says you receive because you keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, he's able to do far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. I mean, if there was any other language that can better express that, I don't know of one other than tongues. That's about the only other language I know that can express it better than that. But he wants us to be filled and flooded with the fullness of God and come into a place that we have comprehensive insight into his ways so that the Father can accurately carry out his purposes in our lives. And we're going to see what those purposes are as we go on in our study. But I want you to check out two scriptures that I want you to become very familiar with in Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 12. Go to Proverbs 16 first. Now, we've got to realize that the Holy Spirit will lead us into the ways of God. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and guide us into the ways of God and give us spiritual insight and recognition of those ways so that the Father can do exceeding abundantly or as the Amplified said, super abundantly above anything we dare ask or think. It is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to take hold together with us, our spirits, reveal to us the plan and purposes of God, reveal to us the ways of God, Reveal us the wisdom of God so that the Heavenly Father could carry out His plan and purpose in our lives. That's His responsibility. Now here in Proverbs the 16th chapter and verse 25, you need to underline this, make a note of it, put it where you can uh, easily find it. There is a way. There is a way. See, underline that. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. The way and the ways of death. Notice that. The way and the ways of death. But the Spirit of God has come to give us comprehensive insight into the ways of God. But there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Now, man knew nothing of death, nor of death's ways, until Adam fell. He knew nothing about death, he knew nothing about the way of death. But since Adam fell, he has been progressively coming to know more and more concerning the ways of death, and becoming more acquainted with the ways of death. And I'd say he's becoming more skillful in the ways of death since Adam fell. Adam didn't know all there was to know about death when he fell. He just knew it happened. But since his fall and man's learning through sense knowledge, man has become so highly developed in death that at the push of a button, he can just wipe out a whole nation that's thousands of miles away. That's how highly developed he's become in death. I mean highly developed in the ways of death. But if you think about it, from the beginning, it took him hundreds of years just to kill one man. Adam didn't die for hundreds of years. See, because the ways of death were not known unto man. That was just the beginning. But now look at this verse here in Proverbs 12. And verse 28. Now, because man began to grow in the ways of death, then the ways of death began to seem right to a man. I mean, the further away they got from Adam, the further away they got, you know, in learning about God, and there was no knowledge about God, but God began to unveil His plan to us progressively. Man began to grow in the ways of death. And the further away man got, the further away man got, the more highly developed he became and the more he realized that the ways he was walking in to him was right. It seems right to go to the world system. It seems right to do it the way that the world does it. It seems right to use anything that man can come up with thinking that that's the way God wants. And I don't know about you, but I remember myself. I remember myself before I got saved. I remember someone telling me about a religion, a, a bunch of people that, that didn't believe in in the, the medical field, they only believed in God. And I just sat back and laughed about it and I said, well, you know, 
God is man, uh, man, man's ways to the, in the medical field. That's God's ways. That's why God put him here on the earth. I mean, I didn't have any knowledge of God. That's what my you know, answer was to that. I really thought that at one time. I said, that's just the way God did it. God put them here for that very purpose. But I didn't know anything about the Bible. And until you start to read God's word, you think that man's ways are God's ways. You know, that's why it's happening around us, because that's what God purposed in his heart. That's why he designed it to be this way. And I thought that at one time. But I'm glad I got saved. I'm glad I got born again, filled with the Spirit. I'm glad that the Spirit of God taught me God's ways, aren't you? Now look at this scripture. You underline this and make sure you make note of it. Put it inside your heart. In the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof there is no death. So there is a way that seems right unto a man, and there is the way of righteousness. And in the way of righteousness, there is life, the way of life. There is the way of death, and there is the way of life. And we find out that in righteousness, we find the way of life. And in the pathway of life, there is no death. I like that. In the pathway of life, there is no death. As I begin to grow in my insight and recognition of God's way, of His pathway for my life, then bless God, in that pathway, there will be no death before me. And I can rest assured that if I follow that pathway of life, I'm going to leave this earth just the way God intended it to be. Sitting back in my easy chair with my Bible on my lap and saying, there's Jesus, goodbye. That's it. That's the way we should go. In the Father's arms. Amen. I'm going to show that to you. As we go on in our study. Now look at another scripture in the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Fourth chapter. Verse 18. Now there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. In the, path, in the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. What a contrast. Law of reciprocals. But look at over here. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Now that reveals to you and to me that the pathway of the righteous is a progressive pathway. You don't have all the light that you intend on having when you first get saved. You just have the light of being saved. And the pathway of the righteous can shine more and more, brighter and brighter into that perfect day. And it's supposed to be. The entrance of thy word giveth more light, giveth light, giveth light, giveth light. The more I receive of his word, the more light I have. The more light I have, the more light I walk in. The more, I like, the more light I walk in, the more light I get. The more light I get, the more light I walk in. The more light I walk in, the more light I get. The more light I get, the more light I walk in. And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until we begin to glow on this earth. Shinier and shinier and brighter and brighter, being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. Shinier and shinier and brighter. Whoa, glory! Can you imagine that pathway? By the time it's ready, you're ready to go home. You'll be like Enoch. He walked in the way of righteousness. He walked in the ways of God, and in his pathway was life, and there was no death. Hallelujah. Amen. He had this testimony before he left. He pleased God. We get what we want for, we receive what we ever ask for. Why? Because we please God. We do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Isn't that what Enoch did? That's what Enoch did. He did those things that were pleasing in the sight of the Father. And his pathway got so bright, he just got caught up in glory. Hallelujah. Well, we got off on that, but that's all right. I like it, don't you? Well... Adam is the culprit. You know, Romans 5.12 tells us that through one man's disobedience, death, or sin rather, entered into the world. And death by sin, insomuch as all have sinned, and passed sin, or death rather, passed unto all men. Now, death had no way of entering into the earth until Adam, the culprit, fell. Committed high treason. And when that death came into the earth... As I said previously, man began to become progressively more acquainted with the ways of death. Until such a, such a time, I believe that, you know, the Bible says that the wicked shall grow worse and wax worse and worse and worse and worse. That's because they're becoming more acquainted with the ways of Satan, with the ways of death. And the more they keep on learning about the, the ways of the world, the ways of sense knowledge, the more they become acquainted with the ways of death. They're not finding God through sense knowledge, are they? 
No, they're just becoming more acquainted with the ways of death, of darkness. They're getting darker and darker and darker. That's why the darkness shall grow darker and darker and darker and the light shall grow lighter and lighter and lighter. It's a parallel. Same thing, the law of reciprocals. The body of Christ in the earth, they're growing in the light. And the wicked, they're growing in the darkness. Don't you remember Jesus said, the wheat and the tares, let them grow together? Let them grow together. And we know when they're first uh, just planted and they just spring up, they look the same. But bless God, once they begin to grow and get, you know, tall and begin to ripen, we find out that the wheat and the tear, they differ from each other. They differ from each, they differ from each other. And consequently, you could tell them apart. Well, that's what's happening in the earth right now. Those that are growing in righteousness, they're growing in the light. They're getting brighter, they're getting brighter, they're getting brighter. They're, they're making their mark right now. They're making a difference. It's no, lo no longer are they mixed up with the, with the world system. No longer is the church, you know, taking a back seat to the world system. But the church is coming into their own. And they're stepping out in their righteousness. They're taking hold of the things that God has provided for them and are walking in the reality of it. And because of it, the church is growing in glory and glory and more glory and getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And there's a complete difference right now between the church of years ago and the church right now today. Because they were mixed up in all the darkness. But bless God, we come out of that darkness and we're walking in the bright light. I mean, it's getting brighter. I know it's getting brighter in my life. I mean brighter, bless God, hallelujah to Jesus. Well, Adam was responsible for bringing death and its ways into the earth. Adam is the natural man. And if you follow the ways of the natural man, you're going to follow the ways of death. And the pathway of death, you know, is no good thing. I don't want to learn the pathway of death. I want to learn the pathway of life. So you've got to find a scripture with me. Hold your place in the third chapter of the book of Proverbs. Put your book marker in the third chapter of the book of Proverbs and go to First, uh, yeah, First Timothy or Second Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter one. Glory be to God, Jesus is Lord. Adam was the culprit; he brought death into this world system, but Jesus is responsible for bringing life. We'll see this here in Second Timothy, the first chapter. Now notice what Jesus did. Verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.10. Who hath abolished death. Say that with me. Jesus abolished death. Jesus abolished death. Jesus abolished death. Jesus abolished death. And the ways of death. And the ways of death. Okay. Now Jesus did that. He abolished death. But look what else he did. And hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Adam was responsible for bringing death to light. But Jesus was responsible for abolishing death and its ways. And bringing to light life and immortality through the gospel. He is responsible for that. That's why he said, I am the way. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. He said, I am the way. What is He the way of? He is the way out of death and the way into life. He is the way out of death. Jesus said, if a man believe on me, he hath passed out of death and its ways into life. But I think what the Christian has failed to see and to realize that not only is He the way into life, but bless God, in Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that teaches us the ways of that life. You'll find that in Colossians. Second chapter, turn there with me. I want you to see these scriptures. Book of Colossians, the second chapter. Verse 3. Jesus is responsible for abolishing death. He's responsible for bringing life and immortality to life. He also has become the way of life. I am the way, the truth, and the light. He is the way out of death. He is the way into life. And in Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now notice verse 3. In whom, that's in Jesus, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Actually, in Him are hid all the treasures of comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. In Jesus are hid. All the treasures of wisdom or all the insight, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God or of life. They're hidden Jesus. They are in Him. 
He's responsible for getting them across to us. And it is the ministry of the Holy Ghost to take of the fathers, reveal it unto us through Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God will reveal to us all the things concerning the ways of life. That's His ministry in the earth right now. Go back to that third chapter of the book of Proverbs. Now before Jesus left, He said, I am sending you another comforter, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And when he has come, the comforter, he will teach you all things. He will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He will guide you in all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God are hid in the person of Jesus Christ. But the Comforter who was to come was to reveal and unfold and unveil to your hearts that comprehensive insight into his ways and purposes. He was going to do that for us. And that's why I said, I made a statement previously in this series, that the Spirit of God will give us the wisdom to use the knowledge of the Word of God in a profitable way so that the Father can carry out His purpose and plan in our lives. So He can carry out His goodwill in our lives. So He can carry out those blessings, those benefits, those promises that He has given us through His covenant. But you see, it takes the wisdom of God. And so now we're ready to get back here to this third chapter of the book of Proverbs and get into our study concerning this. Now, it wasn't that a big introduction? It took me three lessons to just introduce this. But we got there finally. I'm rejoicing within. Now we can study it. And it's, it's a blessing to me. I know it'll be a blessing to you. The Spirit of God gave it to me and I'm just going to just give it to you as He gave it to me. Third chapter, verse 1. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Let me comment, first of all, on the book of Proverbs itself. Go back to chapter 1. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. We call it wisdom personified. The purpose of the book is found in verse 2 through 6. We'll read it. To know wisdom and instruction... To perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Verse 23. Turn you at my reproof, that's the reproof of wisdom. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, that's the spirit of wisdom. Paul prayed that the church at Ephesus would receive the spirit of wisdom. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Making known his words is making known the ways of God unto us. That's the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Remember that. If we need wisdom, we've got to go to the book of Proverbs. It's the book of wisdom. It's wisdom personified. Okay, the, the results of not obeying or refusing to hear... What the book of wisdom is going to teach us concerning life, this is the results. Let's look at it in, in uh, 24, start with 24. We're going to read a few portions of scripture. Because I have called and you refused. See, this is the, the results of refusing this kind of wisdom. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have said it not all my counsel and would not of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. The Bible says that fear shall gather round about you, but won't come nigh unto you if you hearken unto godly wisdom. If you don't and if you refuse, then wisdom will laugh when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own circle. That word way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. I could give godly counsel and instruction to the Word of God, but yet somebody is ready to run to, to a, you know, somewhere else to find an instantaneous deliverance somewhere. They're trying to run and find some way to get out of it the easy way out. But they will not hearken unto godly counsel. They will not hearken unto the wisdom of God. You can only do that for so long, beloved. You can only try to get your deliverance that way for a short time. Then, This is the cry of wisdom. I have for you the ways and the purposes of God. I will instruct you to be wise in the counsel of God. I will teach you the, the comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. If you are hearkening unto me, how long, ye simple was, will you love simplicity? How long will you turn away from me and not listen to my reproof? But if you will, verse 33, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Shall be quiet from fear of evil. Shall be peaceful from fear of evil. Yeah, fear and evil shall gather round about thee, but they will not come nigh unto thee. I will not fear, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff have brought peace unto me. Hallelujah. You lay me beside the still waters of refreshing. I'm not walking in the ways of man. I'm walking in the ways of God. Chapter 2 tells you how to seek wisdom. In the first eight verses, wisdom cries out and tells you that you've got to cry out for it. It's hidden treasure. You've got to search for it. You've got to dig it out. Golden nuggets. You've got to dig deep to find these golden nuggets. In Him, in Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But we've got to dig them out. We've got to cry out for them. When you begin to get in, in the presence of God and you begin to think about just how vast His knowledge is and just His omnipotence and His omniscience. And you begin to think that He is imparting His life into you, His knowledge into you, His wisdom into you. You sit back and you just can only cry out and say, Dear Father God, I must decrease, you must increase. Fill me with it. Cry out unto Him. Let the Spirit of God minister it unto you. I'm not going to take time to get into it. You read it for yourself. But it says to cry out for wisdom. And in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, what I want to do, first of all, is read the first 10 verses, then share with you the promises and benefits and the conditions, and then we will begin our study. My son, forget not my law. Wisdom is speaking. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Number one, the promise. Your first promise. Write it down. Longevity. Longevity. It includes length of days, long life, peace. Now I'm going to read that to you from the Amplified Bible also. It expands or amplifies what is said here. And I, I, I believe you'll love this. For a length of days, this is verse 2. Promise number 1. We're talking about entering into the promises of God. Longevity. It includes length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 2 in the Amplified says, For length of days and years of a life worth living. I don't want years of a life that's not worth living. I don't care how old you live to be. If you're, in, if you're racked with pain all your life, that's not a life worth living. God doesn't want that for you. If you're in a life of anxiety all your life, He doesn't want that for you. If you're under the pressures of life and you can't cope with the pressures of life all the years of your life, He doesn't want that for you. That's not a life worth living. He wants you to have a life worth living, now listen, and tranquility, inward and outward, and continuing through old age unto death. These shall they add to you. So promise number one is longevity. 
It includes length of days, long life, peace, a life worth living, tranquility. Inwardly and outwardly. Through old age until death. What a promise. That is a promise for everybody. The condition is in verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Because why? We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The promise is based upon this condition stated in verse 1. Now let's go over to promise number 2. It's found in verse 4. So shalt thou found, find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. In the Amplified it says success also. So promise number 2 is favor and success in the sight of God and man. Favor and success in the sight of God and man. This is based on the condition stated in verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So the promise of favor and success in the sight of God and man is based on the condition of verse 3. There's two things so far. Longevity, favor and success in the sight of God and man. Okay? Number three. Promise number three. Verse six. It's found in part B of verse six, the latter part. He shall direct your paths. Promise number three is guidance and direction into the ways and purposes of God. Or we could say the plan and purpose of God for your life. Guidance and direction into the plan and purpose of God concerning your life. It's based on the condition stated in verse 5 and part 6a. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your what? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. In all your ways, acknowledge his ways. Too often we're wanting to do it our way. We talked about Naaman. Naaman wanted to do it his way. I thought he'd do it this way. But God said, you're wrong. I'm doing it this way. Well, I don't want to expound. I want to just give you the promises right now. Okay? Promise number four is perfect health. Perfect health. Verse eight. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. That's perfect health. That's divine health. Promise number four is divine health. Walking in total divine health. It is based on, verse 7, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. That's the condition. The promise is perfect divine health. And finally, number five is verse 10. It's called prosperity. I can't leave it out. Some don't like when you preach prosperity. But that's okay. The Bible preaches it. So I have to. It says, So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Prosperity. The promise of prosperity is based on a condition stated in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Okay. We've laid a foundation. And now we're going to get into the Wisdom of God concerning how to have these five promises. Longevity. Favor in the sight of God and man. Guidance into the plans and purposes of God in our life. Perfect health. And perfect prosperity. What more is there? What more is there? When you've got all that, you've got it. You couldn't ask for anything more. Amen. Life worth living. Favor with God and man. Perfect health. Perfect prosperity. Guidance in every step of life. That's the wisdom of God right here. Let's go to our verse 1. And I want, to, I want you to mark 
right above that chapter where it says chapter 3, Psalm 89, 34. Psalm 89, 34. We are going to base this study totally on the fact that God said, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the word that's gone out of my mouth. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the word that's gone out of my mouth. Now here, we see that promise number one is longevity. Promise number one is longevity. It includes long life, peace, tranquility, inwardly and outwardly, a life worth living. That's what he said. Under old age and even through death. Now, first thing you need to write down is that God is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. We are going to rightly divide the word of truth. Because when you start teaching along these lines, somebody has an experience in their life that questions the word of God. But God cannot break his covenant, nor can he alter the word that's spoken out of his mouth. It is his perfect will. We are learning the perfect will of God. Paul prayed that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all this wisdom. Say this with me. It is God's will, is God's will that, I have a long life, that I have a long life, a life worth living, a life worth living full of peace, full of peace tranquility, tranquility, inwardly, inwardly and, outwardly, and outwardly, continuing through old age, up until death. That's God's will concerning me. He's not a respecter of persons. So that's His will for my life. No matter who didn't make it, I will. Hallelujah. We could shop for a while now, huh? God is not a respecter of persons. The word peace is shalom in the Hebrew. And it means safety. Or to dwell safely in mind or body. That's a part of longevity. To dwell safely. Or to be in safety concerning your mind and your body. Write that in there where it says peace. Length of days, long life, and peace. That's why the word peace is in there. Actually, it's the most perfect word concerning life is shalom. It's the perfect word. It means, I mean so peaceful, it's entering into the rest of God. It's the peace that Jesus left. My peace I give unto you. Okay. God is not a respecter of persons concerning his promises or benefits. He is not a respecter of persons at all. If he said that this was his will concerning one, it is his will concerning all. But the promises of God have got to be appropriated to the wisdom of God. Through obeying his commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. I want to show you that God is not a respecter of persons. Hold your place there. Find 2 Corinthians, 1st chapter. Put your bookmarker there. This is going to be our text, so leave your bookmarker in there. 2 Corinthians, the 1st chapter. We, by the Spirit of God, are going to have this digested in such a way that we are going to eat it, we are going to sleep it, we are going to drink it, we are going to speak it. It's going to become a living part of our being that God wants me to live a full life unto a ripe old age in tranquility, in peace of mind, body, spirit, soul, and body, and all the way up until I just go off and rapture out of this place. That's His will no matter who didn't make it. That's His will for me. That's His will for you. And I'm planning on making it, are you? Verse 20. I want you to say it. Let's read it together. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Longevity is the promise of God. And all the promises of God in Him are amen and yea. Yea and amen. And we are in Him. But they are appropriated by us. So you see, God's not a respecter of persons. It's a matter of, do we have the wisdom of God to appropriate the blessing of longevity? Well, if we don't have it, then we haven't been doing our homework, have we? We haven't been studying the Word of God where the wisdom lies. 
We haven't been crying out for this wisdom, for in her pathway is life and there is no death. Think about it. That's why we're here. That's why we're studying to find out how to appropriate these blessings. And the world and the devil and the flesh and everybody else, they're trying to get you to say, you're greedy if you want all those things in your life. No, we're not greedy. We just want all that God's got for us. We love Him. We thank Him for providing this for us. Amen? Okay. Now, the first thing that happens, go back to Proverbs. The first thing that happens when you teach along these lines is someone can say, I know brother so-and-so or I know sister so-and-so who did not live to be a ripe old age. Was she or he living in sin? Now, I don't know why they take it that way, but that's the way people take it. No, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person was living in sin. They want you to degrade another fellow Christian. And I'm not about to do that. I am just teaching to you the ways and the wisdom of God and the plan and the purpose of God. It was God's purpose and plan that that person who died young not die young. Somewhere along the line, and I'm going to give you some reasons why. Somewhere along the line, something went wrong. But that's between them and God. And as God reveals it to you, the secret things belong unto Him, not unto you. Let God be God and just you just take what God can do for you. Don't try to live somebody else's life and you'll have a good life for yourself. I'll show that to you in the Scriptures also. But um, it's God's will that we have a, a, a long life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a scripture that clearly states it. How many of you know that the blessings of Abraham are yours? How many of you know that Galatians 3.29 says that if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise of Abraham? Do you know that? How many know that Jesus became the curse on the tree for us? Died for us on that tree, became the curse so that we could become the righteous of God in Christ and obtain the blessings of Abraham? And how many of you know that the blessings of Abraham was that, Abraham, you will live to be a ripe old age? Well, is Abraham's blessing yours? Is it yours? Then it's the plan and the purpose of God that I live to be a ripe old age. That's exactly what the Word teaches. That's a part of Abraham's blessing. Now, let's, let's hear it again. Galatians 3.29 says, If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But the promises of God are not automatic. They are appropriated through the wisdom of God. Okay. That's why we've got we to study longevity and find out, you know, how the Word teaches us so that we can have long life. To have long life, I should say. Now, I'm going to give you three, at least three, I believe in these three reasons you can find out every reason why somebody did not make it to live a long, ripe old age. A long life and to be of a ripe old age. Number one is found in Hosea 4.6. Don't turn to it. Let's not take the time to turn to it. You can look, up, look it up after. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish. If I want an answer as to why people die young, I go to the Word of God. Now, my people perish or are destroyed or die through the lack of knowledge. Through the lack of knowledge, number one. My people perish through the lack of knowledge. As a matter of fact, that's probably the major reason why most... Most of those that died young did die young. There are other reasons. Are you ready for this one? This is a good one. I didn't have it in there, but the Spirit of God just gave it to me. This is a good reason why some die young. Because they didn't obey their parents in the Lord when they were growing up. Does that surprise you? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is the first commandment. With what? Promise. But the promises of God are, not, are only appropriated to the wisdom of God. They're not automatic. Why? That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Don't you wish you can get every child and shake that into them? I'm serious. I'm just teaching you what the Word says. You think God's a liar? God's not a man that He should lie. God will not alter His Word or his, break His Word or His covenant or alter His Word. And he said if you obey your parents, you live long on this earth. That's a promise. And some have died young because they didn't obey their parents. Think about it. That's the wisdom of God. See, I'll, I'll do that. I make sure that I do what God says to do in His Word, the commandments of God. And automatically I set into motion spiritual laws of longevity. Think about that. When I do that, even at my age right now, I respect my parents, I'll obey them. God sets into motion the laws of longevity in my life if I'm obedient to do that. I don't have to know what is behind there. I just know that it works. All right, reason number two is found in Proverbs 29, 18. And it says... Where there is no vision, the people perish. When people first got saved, there was a, a word hound. 
They was reading that word day and night. I mean, just getting into that word and they saw themselves living like Christ lived. But as the years gone by, they lost the vision. They lost the vision. The heart hunger for the word of God died out. They lost the vision of walking as he walked. They lost the vision of, of living on this earth and fulfilling the desire of God's will in their life. They lost that vision. And so consequently, they became a half-hearted Christian. Lack of vision is another reason why the people perish. That's scriptural. You find it in the Word of God, Proverbs 29:18. And the next one, oh, would to God it wasn't in here, but it's in here. I want you to turn to it with me. Where does time go? Glory be to God. 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Three scriptural reasons why people die young. I believe we better put the fourth one in there. I think it's good. Because they didn't obey their parents and the Lord. We better put it in there, shouldn't we? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verse 29 and 30. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, here's a cause, here's a reason. Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep for this cause. For this cause. They've not rightly divided the word to know that the body of Jesus Christ was also given and sacrificed for our physical healing. And they never become acquainted with that. It, it may have been through lack of teaching. They may have not known that. They may have not learned the wisdom of God to appropriate that. That could be a reason why they died young. And so consequently, they didn't understand the Lord's body. And because they didn't understand the Lord's body, they died young. Now, that wasn't God's will, but they were drinking judgment of themselves. When I partake of that supper, I am saying I am, I am in full understanding and agreement with, with, with what all this represents. I understand He died for my sins that I don't have to live in sin. I understand He died for my sickness that I don't have to be sick. That's what the true teaching is of His Word. And I have to pursue that. And if you don't, then you're just not studying to show yourself to be approved. I'm becoming more acquainted with it as I go along. I'm becoming... To, I'm learning more and more and more progressively more and more about the Father, about redemption, about the blood of Jesus, about the body of Jesus as I grow. Don't ever think that you've learned it all. But here's another reason, scriptural reason, why people die young. Okay? That was the first part. This next part, I want you to see this clearly. We are not to be followers of those that did not make it. Listen to me. We are not to be followers of those that did not make it. I do not set up a person that died before his time and try to make a thousand and one excuses why he did and set him up as an example and use that as an example and be a follower of that way. I'm not to do that. I don't touch it in thought life. I know some great men of God that have died young. But I'm not even going to touch it in thought life. I'm not even going to try to think about why they died young. I know three scriptural reasons why. It's between them and God. But the promise of God is longevity to the ripe old age until we go off to be with Him in glory. To you and to me. And the promises are yea and amen. But now I heard somebody else say, well, we're not to follow any man. How many of you people have heard people say that? We're not to follow any man. I beg your pardon. Jesus was a man. And there's one mediator between God and man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you another scripture. You can follow man. Look, look with me in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. This is a blessing. It's a blessing to my heart because I've heard so, so often people would say, well, you're just following a man. I'm sorry, Hebrews, the sixth chapter. You're just following a man. I'm going to name some men to you in a minute. And you determine whether or not you can follow them. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Now, are you ready? E.W. Kenyon inherited the promise under the end. 
The Apostle Paul inherited the promise. The Apostle John inherited the promise under a ripe old age. Smith Wigglesworth inherited the promise of longevity under the end. E.W. Kenyon, at 87 years old, came down to, you know, to, the, to the kitchen and, and, and told his family, I'm going home today. They thought he was getting a little senile. They said, you're all home. And he walked into his uh, you know, den and he sat down in his easy chair and he had his Bible reading about Jesus, the love of his life. And he kicked his you know, shoes off and sat back and said to the kids, I told you, I'm going home today at 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock today and there's Jesus. Goodbye. I want to follow a man like that. Because he followed Jesus under the end, closely. Be followers of them, them, who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Not someone who didn't get it, but be a follower of them. Smith Wigglesworth died the same way. As a matter of fact, he had this testimony. There will not be a knife that would touch my body in this life ere when I die. There will not be a knife to touch this body. And even when he died, it was customary. That they performed an autopsy on his body and they, for some reason, they didn't do it. He was the only body that didn't have a knife to touch, to touch his body at death. His faith worked yet while he was dead. That's a man to follow after. Follow that footsteps. Paul said, be followers of me even as I am of Christ. That's following somebody. I think we get too touchy when we talk about things like that. But the word clearly teaches us we can follow those that followed him unto the end. We can let them be an example to us. If we got examples of those that didn't do it, we got examples of those that did do it. And we should be followers of those that did make it, not the, of those that didn't make it. Amen. Brother Kenneth Hagin is another man that... Just because you say, you know, you studied under the man doesn't mean what people think. Here's a testimony of Brother Hagin. Jesus appeared to him and said in his last time he had a vision of him. And he said, uh, well, son, he said, you can... Either come home when your ministry is over. And he told him when it would be over. He told him when it would phase out. He says, this is your fourth and final phase of your ministry. He said, you can come home with me when it's over. Or, if you want, I'll grant you ten more years. Then you can come home. Thank God. Think about that. Now, think about that. Think about that for a moment. You can come home when your ministry is over. Or you can come home ten years later. I'll give you ten more years of life if you want on the earth. Is that so hard to believe? He told Hezekiah, because thou hast repented, I'll give you 15 more years. So he says, you can come home now, you can go home 15 years later, or 10 years later to Brother Hagin. No, when I find out somebody's doing something right, I want to know what they're doing. See, I'm like a sponge. I'm going to get everything that I can get that's good, because we represent Christ in this earth. And that man's learned a lot, and Brother Kenyon learned a lot, and Brother Smith Wigglesworth learned a lot, and I can get some of the things that they've learned and appropriate them in my life. And bless God, we can just put them all together and go beyond whatever they did. Amen. That's why in this latter day, the Spirit of God has poured out upon us the Word and revelation of God's Word like never before. Because there are those that are rising up to take hold of this Word and believe the promises of God are yea and amen and are walking in the light of it. Now, we can grow just through what these men have presented to us through their writings in a faster way than, than they, even they grew because they had to get it by themselves. So longevity is a promise to the believer. Another nugget I want to give you in Proverbs, the ninth chapter. Brother, we... Well, let's get the scripture on the tape. Ninth chapter of Proverbs. Look at verse 10 through 12. Ninth chapter. We'll read verses 10 through 12. And we'll have to close it right here. But I want you to see this. I am very excited about this study. We're just starting it again. But there's a lot in it. Five promises that will give you all that you need to live in this life. In victory. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning or the principal part of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me, notice this, thy days, and we'll be looking at this scripture again, shall be multiplied. What did that say? For by me thy days shall be multiplied and the years of your life shall be increased. It didn't say by exercise. It didn't say by a right diet. It didn't say by a physical checkup once a month or once a year. It didn't say by, you know, eating properly. No, that's, that's man's ways. 
But God's way says right here, by wisdom, by His wisdom, and we're going to show that. I'm not saying that the other part doesn't help. We could, we could do exercise and eat right. You're supposed to do that. But I'm talking about you can't do that and think you're going to have long life just because you do that. Okay, look at the next verse. If you be wise, and I want you to grab a hold of this. You, if you be wise, thou shalt be wise for yourself. When you take a hold of this kind of wisdom that I'm giving you tonight, it'll just, it's for yourself. You're going to be wise for yourself. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.